Welcome to the IAH podcast, where we profile current and former fellows of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth, coordinator for faculty programs. In this special episode, we feature Melissa Clay's phone conversation with Stephanie Schrader, curator of the drawings department at the J. Paul Getty Museum in Los Angeles, California. Dr. Schrader will be giving the 22nd Mary Stevens Reckford Memorial Lecture in European Studies in Hyde Hall on UNC's campus on Thursday, February 25th at 7.30 p.m. The lecture is titled, Appropriating Asia, the Depiction of the Exotic in European Art. Dr. Schrader gives us a preview of the lecture's theme, along with insight on the conversations that sparked her interest on this area of study and the undergraduate class she taught at the Getty Museum. They helped inform and develop her research on Western depictions of Asia. How did you decide on the uh, subject matter? Uh, the title is Appropriating Asia, the Depiction of the Exotic in European Art. Well, that is a topic that I've been working on um, here as a curator at the Getty. I um, did a large exhibition about our Rubens drawing of a man wearing Korean costume, mm-hmm. and subsequently have thought about how it's not just in my field that we see artists appropriating Asia, but you can see it in all fields across all centuries uh, throughout our entire collection. So I taught a class with Occidental College students, and they came to the Getty every other week, and that was the focus of the class, and I had them do readings, and we looked at objects together. So after teaching the class and thinking about larger issues, I thought, oh, I should try to write a lecture on this. If you could talk a little bit about the word appropriation and what that means to you, it it does get used a lot. Well, I guess in my use of the term, I mean, I was thinking about in terms of the Getty's collection. I mean, we are a collection that mostly is on Western art that is not global in any means. And we are sort of isolated up on a hill. Mm -hmm. And I can see how people could criticize the Getty for its collection and isolation. Mm -hmm. So appropriation for me was really coming from the objects themselves, thinking about this not from an academic point of view, but more about how these objects situate themselves in relationship to other cultures Mm -hmm. and not just about white Europeans but also looking at how cultures mixed and travel and how people traveled and how objects traveled as a result of trade networks and expanded uh, an understanding of the globe through the movement of an object. And also because it's also in the in the title of the lecture, the word exotic, uh, which yeah. uh, again is a is a term that uh, heavily used in discussions about race. Um, what what can you say about that? Well, that was a term that I specifically chose because what I want and I, what I will make clear in the lecture is that, you know, when cultures come into contact, there's not always specific knowledge of another culture that comes with that contact. So when yes. Europeans travel to China or even go as far as Korea, there's not a knowledge of the culture they're coming into contact with. And when they bring these objects back to Europe, they often don't even sort of, they aren't able to place them in a historical moment. They don't know who the maker is. They really are considered these exotic items that are different and connote 
sort of a contact with another culture, but not necessarily a knowledge of that culture. So exotic is sort of a catch-all phrase for me to really address their curiosity with an object, their um, sort of pleasure in looking at this foreign object, but not a, you know, an easy classification of what this object means to the other culture. If you could, especially because you had this class, uh, talk about what were your best moments in, in, in teaching this class? Well, first of all, um, it's hard to imagine in Los Angeles, but we have all these universities and there are all these museums and often the museums and the universities don't overlap as fluently mm. that we would like them to, especially our history classes. And so I really wanted students to take the class looking at the art objects, like sitting mm-hmm. in front of the art objects, um, standing in front of the art objects. Because, you know, when you do things removed from the context of art and you're in a classroom in a dark room with slides, you don't understand the scale, you don't necessarily understand the material in which they're made of, you don't necessarily get the whole context. So for the students to come to the Getty and see these objects firsthand was remarkable in and of itself because they were like, wow, I didn't realize it was so small or Mm -hmm. wow, I didn't understand... There's so much complexity with the technique because you look at something on a screen, it flattens it. You don't get the texture. You don't really understand the fabrication of an object. So that in and of itself was great. Mm -hmm. And also just to see they they were such interesting kids who had wonderful senior thesis ideas. They're Mm -hmm. mostly seniors. And they not a lot of them were necessarily going on with their art history degree. They took it, you know, as a double major with poli-sci. So they had a really deep understanding of um, critical thinking skills, but uh-huh. then to actually have them to have to apply them to objects, it was actually sometimes a challenge for some of them. And even the seniors who were art history majors, in some cases, they really had to recalibrate um, themselves when dealing with the actual object. And what I also loved is that I taught the class, but I had conservators also come and talk to the students. Uh-huh. So when we were looking at Japanese lacquer that was being used in French 18th century furniture, we had the conservator come and talk about, okay, how do we know this is even Japanese lacquer and not just a French knockoff? Well, we can tell from sap and we can tell how the sap came from Vietnam versus Japan mm-hmm. versus, you know, Indonesia. It was fascinating. And they, he, he was great in making them understand the complexity you label something Japanese lacquer, the, you know, the material itself is not even necessarily from Japan. And that implies a whole other trade route amongst Asian communities in Asia before the Europeans even get there. So it, it really got the students thinking about the complexity, and they got it, and they were into it. As a curator, we put things up on the wall. We don't necessarily know how people respond to it, but when you have students in a room engaging with you and having a dialogue with you, you have a much clearer sense of the conversations and how they impact the students and how it changes their thinking. And I should also say that the talk came out of a conversation I had with a scholar, um, a a historian of Chinese history, his name's Timothy Brook, Mm -hmm. and he wrote a book called Vermeer's Hat, and he, as a Chinese historian, is looking at Vermeer paintings, and Vermeer is this renowned 17th century Dutch artists and saying that even in these paintings that are, you know, so emblematic of 17th century Dutch life, 
Mm-hmm. In his mind, when he looks at them, all he sees is the connection to Asia. Oh. So in terms of maps, in terms of Turkish carpets, in terms of, you know, oranges in a Chinese, you know, bowl, he sees many of these iconic Dutch paintings as evidence of contact between East and West. So he came to the Getty as a scholar. We have a rich um, scholar program here at the Getty Research Institute. And when was and this? We, when? How long ago was he there? That was, I'd say, probably two years ago. Okay. So we would have lunch, and he just, because I loved the book, and he was a really nice person, and he, we would just talk. He said, you know, why doesn't the Getty do a show? You could, you know, bring all these paintings and all these objects that reference um, China, and he wanted to call the show China, China. <laughs> That's great. Because, um, you know, often it's Chinese uh, porcelain that we have in our collection that made by Europeans with, you know, French gold mounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show didn't ever get off the ground, but um, we just always would have these really interesting conversations. One other question I wanted to ask you, uh, you're coming here to North Carolina from Los Angeles and uh, wanted to know, what do, what do you plan to, uh, is there anything you want to see when you're, when you're here? Well, I'm hoping to go to um, the museum in Raleigh because I've never done that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time um, in talking to me. Okay. All right. Thanks again. Sure. Have a good day. All are welcome to the Reckford Lecture, which is free and open to the public, on Thursday, February 25th at 7.30 p.m. in Hyde Hall. Check out past and future episodes of this podcast on our website, ih.unc.edu, or subscribe to the IH Podcast on iTunes to download episodes automatically to your computer or mobile device. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IH underscore UNC.